Welcome to San Diego News Fix, the backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. Every week, we're giving you a behind the scenes look at our industry and giving you an insight into how decisions in our newsroom are made. Today, we're discussing the sale of Tailgate Park by the city of San Diego to a development team led by the San Diego Padres. Joining me today are Union Tribune growth and development reporter, Jennifer Van Grove, investigative reporter, Jeff McDonald, managing editor, Laura Sacalo, and we begin with editor and publisher, Jeff Light. Jeff? Okay, thank you, Luis. Uh, yeah, pretty big news in uh, in town this week with uh, the city council approval of this development, and we can get into the really good coverage that uh, uh, Jeff and Jen uh, have provided in a second, but maybe we should just start with Jen. Can you uh, just bring us up all uh, up to speed on uh, this project uh, that was approved this week by the council? Sure, yeah. So city council members voted eight to one to sell Tailgate Park, which is four city blocks just east of Petco Park. I think Eric Grubner, CEO of Padres, uh, characterized it as a stone's throw. Um, but they voted in this split decision to sell the land to this uh, development team led by the Padres for $35.1 million, which is a million plus over the fair market value of an appraisal that the city did on the site. Um, and part of that deal is a disposition and development agreement, which will kind of um, be recorded along with the sale and is meant to ensure that the city gets what it was promised, which is 1800 residential units, 270 of which will be set aside by um, covenant for low and middle income uh, families. So that's kind of the gist of it. Okay, good. And one of the interesting things to me about this story was the timing. Uh, and if I'm understanding uh, uh, the, the situation correctly, this project has 10% low income housing. And uh, uh, because of the state laws that govern these kinds of transactions, uh, if it were approved uh, after December 31st, it would be required to have, I think, 20% uh, affordable housing. So this idea of sort of maybe the last uh, the last project through that window put, I think, a lot of uh, um, focus on this decision-making. And, and Jeff McDonald, maybe you can just uh, 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 give an overview of the kind of objections that you heard in different corners to this project. Yeah, this was a really interesting application. Um, the amount, uh, the housing set aside for affordable housing would have risen to 25% uh, after the year if it hadn't been approved uh, at this stage by the council this week. Um, they, uh, th there's, the, the city council has of course confronted this housing crisis for years. Uh, it's declared uh, crises three different times in the last five years in the uh, homelessness community and uh, keeps talking about how affordable housing is their number one priority. Uh, some of the critics of this plan thought that this was a really good opportunity for the city council and the mayor's office to put its money where its mouth has been for some time and to use this publicly owned property to drive a project that would supply even up to 100% affordable housing. Uh, the pushback on that was that it just didn't pencil out for uh, for the developers and that uh, the, the city had to sort of meet the development community halfway. 
uh, and and that's reflected in the vote this week to go ahead and approve uh, the bare minimum of affordable housing that was allowed. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now let's like get to um, I think the to me the real topic here. Uh, as a reporter, one of the first things you learn is that everyone has an agenda, and uh, you know on these development projects, typically there's a de developer whose interest is to have a profitable. Uh, project. Uh, one would presume the, the more profitable, uh, the better. And then, um, you know, often there are neighborhood uh, uh, interests who feel that their quality of life or property values could be impacted. So they're being driven by those uh, agendas. Uh, in this story, we saw affordable housing advocates. And so their agenda is uh, to push for more affordable housing. And then in the background, you know, there's political rivalry and economic rivalry from, uh, you know, de developers who might uh, own other parcels. So all of this comes into the play behind the scenes as reporters, you're hearing from all sorts of people with a long list of, uh, of uh, uh, ideas and insights and uh, uh, agendas. So uh, I, I don't know, Jen, you cover commercial real estate and development in the city. So you're wading through this all the time. Can you give us a little insight as to what it's like to be that reporter and how you uh, how you navigate through all of that? You know, sometimes it's difficult in this case. You know, we have a piece of property that has a really long history. Uh, you know, I think, you know, listeners might remember that was it was envisioned as part of, you know, a set of properties that would be for the a downtown stadium for the chargers right um there's and there's been competing interest for this property for for decades and in fact there was a period of time when the port was in the process of acquiring the site the port of san diego even though it's not timeless so this story goes back decades in terms of you know who's wanted it what they've wanted it for and I've certainly had conversations behind the scenes with people trying to push one narrative over the other. Um, and I think, though, just when I was approaching the story with, with Jeff McDonald, I think just the main priority for me was, you know, what really matters? Like, what's at the end of the day, what's what's happening here? And so some voices didn't make it into the story or some notes about the history of the property didn't make it into the story that we did because we still told a really long and complete story. Um, and also, I, I, you know, for me, I, I do have to be cautious of like, you know, who I'm elevating and who I'm, you know, not elevating. There is always that, that sort of dilemma there. Um, and, and it, it's not, it's not easy. And this one was not, it was, it was a challenge at times and without, you know, getting into specifics and, uh, outing <laughs> anyone in particular was there were some difficult phone conversations that I had on my end. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, maybe we can get into that a little bit more, but Jeff McDonald, this is a, uh, you know, a big part of, of your job as the lead watchdog reporter at the UT and the lead, uh, I guess, investigative reporter in the city, I would say um, uh, people come to you uh, as a matter of course, with uh, uh, grievances and complaints and uh, uh, inside information and tips. Uh, how do you sort through like the, their motives uh, or maybe even the motive doesn't matter. It's just the, uh, the, the quality of the information. I don't know if you could talk a little bit about your 
process uh, in general and as far as you can go on, th on this story? Yeah, sure. Uh, everybody that approaches a reporter has, has an agenda. Uh, that's human nature and that's entirely expected. Uh, a lot of what I do is evaluate that information for its, for its value on its own, uh, setting aside the motivation of the person bringing me that information uh, because it, it's okay to have an opinion and to try and uh, present something you think needs publicity. I often ask my sources, you know, what is your motivation? And uh, their answers are pretty illuminating and help guide me in, in determining the, uh, the newsworthiness of the information. We have a pretty high bar for, uh, you know, who we investigate and what institutions and, and uh, what circumstances constitute a, a story. Uh, and a lot of times after doing some initial reporting, uh, the stories go away because they don't meet that standard. Uh, this one I thought was particularly interesting because of all the um, different interests converging on this four uh, on this uh, four block parcel. Uh, the affordable housing people, the the Padres who the community knows and loves, uh, the out of town developers. Uh, one of the former participants in the deal was a key player in the Ash Street uh, uh, real estate debacle that's uh, that's ended up in in, in litigation. Uh, so there were a lot of elements to this story that I thought were really interesting and frankly merited a broader uh, public discourse. And so when Jen and I were talking through how to approach the story and what elements to include and what uh, what other elements were more salacious than, uh, than pertinent, uh, our goal was to do a broader discussion policy-wise to ask the council and the community to give this basically a, a, a wider uh, a spotlight uh, because, uh, you know, it's a high profile property. Uh, it's publicly owned. It's being transferred to the, to the private sector, uh, maybe for the best, maybe not for the best, uh, but that certainly was uh, something we thought deserved uh, a much, uh, much closer scrutiny. So that, those, are, those are the elements we consider when we decide moving forward on particular stories. Yeah, so like on this story, uh, uh, I, I did think there were elements, you know, that from a local journalism point of view, that definitely attracted attention. So part of the sort of the, the team that I think helped uh, the Padres group steer this project uh, uh, toward approval included early on uh, uh, Sistera, the the, uh, uh, the the real estate commercial real estate firm that was uh, uh, also involved in, in Ash Street. Um, uh, there were some tangential connections to the uh, Faulkner uh, administration and the lobbying firm Southwood Strategies, which you would have said uh, uh, two years ago would would be like the A team for getting your project done. And then I think uh, uh, it currently is the uh, sort of yellow flag team that's going to attract a lot of attention because what's happened in some of their unrelated projects. So, like, to what extent was uh, you know was that in front of you, Jeff, when you were thinking, boy, I better look into this? Well, it was certainly a uh, uh, um, a factor, and I thought one that warranted discussion because of some of the allegations that have come uh, come forward in the Ash Street case and some of the personalities and decisions and relationships that have been exposed in the, uh, you know, in the unfolding court cases. Um, 
I do think that uh, that company, uh, Southwest Strategies, has a, a huge inside track. They donate, they raise and uh, donate thousands and thousands of dollars to the decision makers, uh, which I think always has an influence uh, with the uh, with the council members and other elected officials. They're always looking at who's giving them money to face their next election. Uh, so that, uh, of course, is a, is a big part of it. Uh, the other side of it also intrigued me is this this decision you know, how can we three times declare housing emergencies in San Diego? And then we have this golden opportunity, uh, according to some, to really make a dent in the affordable, uh, in the lack of affordable housing by uh, putting forward a, a project that would be uh, much more broadly uh, dedicated to working uh, poor families as opposed to, you know, six or $8,000 a month uh, apartments that uh, many people can't afford. Uh, and I thought it was important we get some of those voices before readers uh, ahead of the council meeting, because so often those voices are not part of the discussion until the very last minute when someone may testify at a city council meeting, you know, for or against a project. And uh, I just think it's important we give those people voice, uh, you know, before the decision makers uh, convene. Yep. Yep. And I would add to that, too, you know, at the committee meeting last month, there was there was absolutely no pushback on this deal, even though mm. there are, you know, whether or not there are, you know, pitfalls that will, you know, eventually reduce, uh, result in litigation, you know, I'm not sure, but there are there are red flags here. Um, and, and it's, you know, it comes down to is the city getting enough uh, value out of the land, whether in terms of affordable housing or actual cash um, and then there is the notion of the Padres lease, right? So the Padres currently lease the site um, and they have this long-term lease that extends, you know, it's actually connected to the lease or the Peco Park um, Juma, as it's called, joint use management agreement. Um, but, you know, 2043 end of the year is essentially kind of the date I've been using it. And this lease essentially predetermined the outcome of the bidding process that the city held. And so was it a genuine bidding process? I, you know, it, that's certainly worth considering. And I, you know, some of these questions may have been happening at city hall, but they weren't really brought into kind of the public uh, domain until after the committee meeting. And, and then, and then they were actually a big topic of discussion yesterday at city council. Yeah, it's very, you know, that uh, that little detail on this story, that parking uh, uh, lease turned out uh, to be, which, which you know, on its face years ago was, hey, we need parking for uh, for the games. Then it's uh, uh, developed into a tremendously valuable property right that uh, uh, determined the outcome of this entire negotiation and has been leveraged into pretty big development opportunity. But um uh, I, I guess I wanted to get to Laura Sakalo, who is the editor on this story. Um, you know, uh, uh, Laura, you work closely with both Jen and Jeff McDonald, and probably I think we're uh, privy to the amount of like spaghetti that was being thrown at the wall on this project. I think there were a lot of things that the reporters investigated. There did seem to be, to me, on this uh, pretty heavy last minute. Uh, a flurry from different corners to, to, to try to get uh, um, um, some different uh, uh, things into print. So maybe you could talk about uh, the process of trying to make sure that fairness 
uh, prevails and even how you would uh, judge or define that? Oh, boy, that's that is a big question. Um, well, that is part of my goal and part of my role in editing is to take both the macro and the micro view of fairness and, you know, look at the story in totality. Does, are, are we treating various perspectives fairly? And at the micro level, looking at things like our word choice and are, are we putting a thumb on the scale in, in one direction or another? And as you all have mentioned, there were lots of threads and lots of perspectives in this particular story and lots of issues, housing and the parking and uh, the real estate and the Padres. And this particular story, I think, would have been far more fraught had it not been for the, the skill and the deep knowledge of the two reporters. Um, and I think their ability to discern both the motivation and the interests going into this helped and, and helped in clarifying what was really at, at the root and what was important. And I think in addition to just being fair and looking at the issues about fairness, um, there's also the interest of, of clarity. And part of my role is to make sure that we are being clear. Are there questions that readers would be asking related to fairness or, or just clarification of points? And um, because these two have far deeper knowledge about these issues uh, than anyone else in our newsroom, um, you know, I was able to read it in a step back position and you know, ask some questions that I think might have occurred to, to readers on their first go round that, that may be clear to somebody who knows it more intimately and maybe not to somebody who's reading about it for the, the first or second time. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, very important work. And I thought you did a terrific job uh, with the story. Uh, sort of my last question, uh, Jen, you said that there were some hard phone calls with the sources. What? What makes a hard phone call? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think it's hard to get into details on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but but so the nature of the story is it's it's a difficult story to report um, when you're going to like the city or the Padres, for instance, because you know when you tell them that you're going to do this kind of deep dive on this transaction. And the dynamics at play, this is not just any other transaction because of the surplus land dynamic, the, the city and the Padres need to close this deal before the end of the year. And they still do. And that could not happen potentially if there's some big issue with paperwork or whatever that takes place in the escrow process. It has to close before the end of the year. So there is this timeline um, that needs to happen for this deal to take place. And they've been negotiating for over a year. And so when you call and be like, I have these very detailed questions, you know, as we're preparing this, you know, semi-investigative piece into this transaction. Um, you know, I have really good relationships on, on both sides, but, but, you know, I think 
they're rightfully defensive. And so, and then it's like, well, what's the motivation for this story? Why are you doing this? Who's in your ear? Like, have you looked at them? And so there's that element there. And so I have to kind of navigate those waters because, you know, I want to maintain the relationships like with Christina Bibler, for instance, um, you know, I didn't have difficult conversations with, with her, but, but, um, you know, I believe her to be a straight shooter. She's running the city's economic development department. She's not, her real estate role only comes into play with these redevelopment properties. So this was um, owned by the city's former redevelopment agency. And she's kind of in charge of now, you know, making sure that any properties that are that were owned by that agency are being disposed of properly, according to the you know state department of finance. Um, but, but so it's, you know, really pressing in on that, uh, which is my job, but also, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm maintaining that access. So the door is not shut and I, I can get answers to the questions. Cause I think some of the questions like that, you know, I think Jeff and I poured through, you know, dozens of documents just because this piece of property is, has, has been, um, <laughs> it's been around for a while and, and the complicated history with redevelopment and also, you know, now surplus land. And so, you know, information, you know, sometimes I did have to rely on Christina and the city to like get certain details or provide certain documents. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to get that information, but also not misrepresent the nature of the story. Um, and so that's kind of a, a balancing act. Got it. Got it. You know what? There's a lot to go uh, uh, into there, but uh, we're probably over time. Uh, I thought that was a, a terrific treatment of a complicated uh, subject and in an area where the expertise of both the uh, uh, reporters, uh, Jen and Jeff, um, is an important uh, part of the uh, role that we play in the city. So thank you both for that good work. Uh, and with that, I'm going to send it back to you, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening. Have a great day, everybody.